Fujilove podcast where we discuss all things Fuji. I'm your host Jens Krauer and of course as usual competence and knowledge joins us in the form of our dear friend Billy Luong. How are you today Billy? I'm great and I'm glad to be back again. Always a pleasure. Now before we get any further let's introduce our special guest joining today's discussion. If we refer to Billy as the Fuji guy then we have to introduce our guest accordingly as Dr. Fujifilm. Welcome to the Fujilove podcast, Jonas Resk. How are you today? Hi, Jens. I'm good, man. Thank you for having me on. Great to have you on, Jonas. Before we get into the first part of the podcast, tell us what's been going on lately in your photography life. What have you been busy with? What haven't I been busy with, actually? Um, The latest was like sampling the the GF50 and and the, the, the 16 to 80 that Fujifilm just put out. Um, so I've been sampling those and shooting those. And, uh, other than that, I've actually been taking sort of a, 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 a holiday, a, a break from, from all of this actually. So it's been nice. Great. So you went uh, off grid fully, fully away from everything. Well, yeah, no, not really. I, you cannot get me to, to go off grid really, but as, as much as I can. So we're going to talk about the lenses you just mentioned uh, a bit later on in the podcast. As you know, as the listeners, we're just going to start with the first category and uh, Jonas will join the club. Let's dive into uh, the questions we received from you as users. First question from Tim. He says, sometimes I want to use the Fujifilm simulation drive mode on my XE3 as well as getting raw file by shooting fine and raw. This allows me to get three JPEG options plus a raw file if anything goes wrong. However, I've noticed that the camera takes three JPEGs and three RAW files. Is there a way to use this setting so that it takes three JPEGs and only one RAW? We don't need one RAW per JPEG file in the multiple film simulation drive mode. I'll pass it on to you, Billy. Yeah, to, uh, to, uh, to simply put uh, for the answer, you are correct. It, you know, when you're in the bracketing mode, uh, say film simulation bracketing, you have RAW JPEG selected. Uh, aside from it creating three JPEGs of the three different film sims that you've selected, it will have three individual RAW files that go along with that. Um, the main reason behind that is is that when you input that RAW file into um, you know photo editing software like Lightroom or Capture One, uh, potentially it knows the kind of the profile in terms of film simulation that you've selected, and it brings it up quickly for you. Uh, and so there's really no way of getting around that. I agree. Um, potentially, there should be an option where it just creates the one raw file and provides you with the three JPEGs. The alternative for you is just to shoot raw. And uh, I don't know if, if you're aware, but uh, all the Fujifilm cameras have in-camera raw conversion. Uh, in playback mode, you just push the Q menu and you can quickly bring up the uh, conversion menu. And from there, you can just choose a film simulation and then quickly push Q again to create that file. Do that two times over, and again, you can kind of have uh, three JPEGs coming out of that one one RAW file. Uh, but, you know, obviously it's not a true solution, and it's definitely something maybe I'll, I'll bring up again um, in a meeting uh, to see if uh, 
you know, there's some changes to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand your frustration. Not who wants to deal with uh, three raw files. So the information is probably on the way to Japan. Jonas, do you use uh, film simulations? Oh yes, definitely. Um, it's uh, the the film simulation that uh, obviously I also shoot raw, and I I tend to. I have some presets made both in Capture One and in in Lightroom where I I apply these presets, but they're all based on the the base of a of a film simulation. Obvi- obviously, and most of the time is actually a classic Chrome base, and then I kind of edit on top of that. Um, but um, for for film simulations, I when I do black and white, um, I always shoot um, I shoot it in Acros mode. And then, um, and then I actually work with the JPEG because no matter what editor I'm using, be it Capture One or Lightroom, I cannot get the same result to my conversion as the camera does with the with the Acros. Um, it has something to do with that 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 modified uh, grain uh, thing that it does, where it kind of it, it it applies some grain structure to the highlights that's different from the midtones and the and the. And the the bottom the, the the dark tones and and I cannot recreate that because it's something that the camera does real time. So for for black and whites, all my black and whites, they're actually across JPEGs that I just work on a bit. Um, and then for the really harsh conditions, I always shoot JPEG plus RAW, so that I have the RAW files for if I if I really need to rescue something. Um, but I don't use the bracket, but, but sometimes I've thought about it, but then I've taken a couple of shots and I can definitely understand that frustration about the, about the three raw files, because that, that doesn't work. That's just, that's just a lot of sorting that shouldn't be there. So. Right. Too much files to deal with. And yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't use the bracketing functions either in terms of film simulations. Uh, maybe, I don't know, four years ago. Uh, when I didn't bother with raw files, um, you know, I just shot JPEGs and it bursted out, uh, you know, for me, Astia, um, classic, uh, no, Astia, Velvia, and then, um, and then um, sort of a black and white at, at that time. But uh, since then, I, you know, if I need raw, I just shoot only raw without the JPEGs. It's just too much files to deal with. And especially now that we, we've we launched a GFX 100 camera, uh, the file files are just getting way too big to manage. <laughs> and I don't want even JPEGs <laughs> kind of clogging up the my computer space and my hard drive space. No, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's become, obviously, with the GFX files, that's what I found as well. I, I took a deliberate choice of of shooting only raw and then converting in camera uh, the ones that I wanted to use as JPEGs f- from the camera, which makes a lot of sense because they're simply very big, those files. Like I said, my only tip to anyone out there is to uh, shoot raw and just use the Q button to bring up the in-camera raw and make your own JPEGs uh, on the fly if needed. And I can definitely, I, I'll back that up because I think it's one of the most overlooked functions of this camera, uh, and or the, especially all, or I mean all of the the Fujifilm X series cameras is just that raw converter is so powerful and it's right at your fingertips. It's it's something that I wish a lot of more people used actually so as we already uh, speak of uh, making images jonas as as we have you here uh i wanted to ask you 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 started as a as a street photographer and then kind of diversified in a, in a very interesting manner 
Today you are still a street photographer, but you're also the top product shooter for Fujifilm cameras. How how did that happen? Yeah, that's um, <laughs> I seriously do not know how how that took that turn. Well, I do know, but 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 that it came to this is still it still kind of boggles my mind. But um, for those of you out there that that kind of follow along on my Instagram, you'll you'll probably see that. Um, for a little bit, for for the past year, I've really tried to to go back into street photography and not upload as much diversity as I have done in the past because I really wanted to to go back to the roots because it's it's what I really really enjoy and I I thought uh, that I wanted to kind of purify that niche and um, and when I did that um, I also created a separate account uh, where I just uploaded the product shots because I did not want to clutter the the, the main feed with with all that um, so so I've kind of taken the deliberate choice kind of a year back to to really separate it um, because you, you're absolutely right I started out street photography and then it really diversified um, I've been asked that question a lot of times how how it diversified but I think it's because it's because of my endless curiosity uh, photographic curiosity I just I mean, I, I think it's stupid to think about photography and genres just like with with everything else is I mean what I what I like is is when a photographer is a photographer uh, because a photographer with a camera who knows um, about his theory and 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 just relies on his creativity uh, his or her creativity I mean um, that person can capture anything be it sports be it landscape be it portrait be it studio uh, be it street i mean it's just a matter of 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 taking pictures right so so um for me it's just i wanted to just really um i wanted to just really purify what 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 it was that i that i started out doing so so yeah to to get back to the question how did it start with the product photography that was actually it was around the X70 launch uh, years back Become. that um up until then um I had not been involved in in early testings of cameras or early feedback cycles uh product cycles um and back then um there was only me and then another guy this was uh, at the same time as the launch of the X Pro Two, uh, so so obviously uh, all of the big guns were handed the X Pro Two. Uh, I think it was like a hundred test cameras, and then at the same time they wanted to launch the um, the X Seventy, um, and 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 the little uh, foot people got got to play with that one, um, which was me. <laughs> so I uh, I happily accepted and and. Um, not to belittle the X70, it became one of my favorite cameras, and, and still to this day is. Um, but but during that cycle, I um, I, I was in close contact with uh, Makoto Oishi, and um, and we 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 had some great kind of feedback loops and stuff like that going with the X70. And um, I took some shots of it uh, in Copenhagen, just of the camera, uh, because I knew. By then, that I wanted to do a review, so I took some shots of it, and then I sent it to him with the sample images. And he said, "So, can we use this for launch?" I said, "Yeah, sure." Um, and then I think, yeah, uh, one of the other guys he he chimed in, uh, the the product manager for the for the for the X Pro Two, uh, uh, Cunio. 
uh, Aoyama, he he chimed in and he said, "So can you also do maybe some product shots for for the X Pro Two launch?" Um, which was at the same time, and I said, "Yeah, of course I can." So, because I knew that that would probably land me an X Pro Two in my hands, which it did. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty nice. Um, and I, I just wanted to say, I don't know if, uh, if 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 people are aware, but you know, Jonas has been shooting pretty much all the uh, unique uh, product shots uh, since the X seventy uh, in terms of you know. Uh, sort of the product on a on a on a black background, right? Uh, you know, and, and I find that you know the angles that you're shooting at, you know, whether it be the X70, the XT100, the GFX100, uh, they're quite amazing. Uh, maybe you want to tell people uh, what studio you're shooting these <laughs> these uh, items in? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, that, that's the fun thing, right? Because it started out being very very basic, and it started out just being for myself. Um, so, and back then it was really pure street photography and and shooting my kids and stuff. But so so I I used what I had at hand, and that's actually my dining room table. Um, it's it's a black uh, kind of linoleum table, linoleum finish table from a Danish design brand, um, and the surface is just as it turned out perfect for this because the linoleum is not as matte black as uh, say cardboard, and it doesn't shine like uh, any other surface. Um, so it's it's the perfect kind of background to use for it. Um, and then obviously over the years, the technique evolved and, and with every new release, there are new requests, especially coming from Japan because they use them for internal presentations and, and press presentations. Um, so they have some, some weird setups that they want me to shoot sometimes, but, uh, but it's all done on that table. So, so it's, it's very, very basic. That's incredible. I, I can tell you, I, I look forward to all those images from you, Jonas, all the time. Uh, the reason why is because they're so good and so detailed. I actually use them for my own uh, presentations uh, when, when a product is launched. I, generally, we have sort of a, uh, a technical presentation from Japan that's shared to, amongst the different countries, but... Too often enough, I find uh, it's just too much overwhelming content, and I love the pure uh, look of uh, the images that you shoot and the close-ups. You know, whether it be the EVF or the optical viewfinder uh, or the hybrid optical viewfinder or just dials and controls, I find uh, that is perfect. And when I talk about a new feature. Uh, you know, your, your images really say a thousand words for me, and I just have to put a couple of texts up and talk to those points. So uh, I'm very grateful that you actually do these shots. Uh, they're quite stunning, and uh, the fact that it's your dining table is 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 uh, incredible as well. So um, thank you so much, man. That that actually means a lot to me. So, but but yeah, that that's I think. I've been I've been asked about those product shots a lot because I mean one of the things that boggles a lot of people's minds is that so Fujifilm actually send uh, prototype cameras all the way across the world for you to shoot at your dining room table. Why don't they get someone locally to do that? Um, and trust me, I've I've talked to them and they have tried, um, but but it always ends up at my porch anyways. 
Um, but I, I've, I have, I have this thing where I think, um, I think not as a pro- as a product photographer, since I'm not a product photographer. Um, I, I, I tend to think of, of these. I've said that a couple of times before that I, I tend to to find the personalities within the cameras and and try to want to want to uh, point that out in in the images and and sort of treat them like little persons and and try to do like maybe a portrait session of them. It, it sounds weird, but but that's the way I think of it. And and then again, my everlasting love for this this brand and and these gorgeous cameras that that just enables my creativity i think that shines through that i'm not uh, a photographer using another brand just doing it to earn money um that i'm actually i actually like the products that i shoot so i think that that is probably what shines through if you ask me I think we can see it in all of your pictures. Uh, I think the the analogy you used uh, comparing it to a portrait session uh, is 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 absolutely right because you can see the understanding and the love for the products in the pictures that you take. The question I have is, how does it feel to get everything in the Fuji world delivered in neat, beautiful boxes to your doorstep while the rest of the world is uh, speculating about things? How, how how does that position feel? Yeah, let's let's just correct that. So so if you've ever if you've ever <laughs> tried to to get sent a, a prototype camera from Fujifilm before release, you will know that what you get sent is basically a metal box wrapped in bubble wrap. Um, and the unpacking experience of this is is horrible. It it's uh, it's so horrible. Um, so and then when you hold it in your hands, these these brand new tech products and you turn it on and the first thing you're met with is is a piece of technology that's so angry that it actually only want to blow up almost because of the the not so final firmware inside it um so so trust me the the the, the nice unboxing experience is not there at all but the excitement short is there right Oh yes, oh yes. Well, uh, I mean, so especially the 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 XT one hundred that was released um, that was released last year. Um, that came for the first time in kind of a in a in a fake uh, titanium finish and uh, a, a gray finish that we've also seen in the X Pro two. Um, those cameras, when I packed them out of the the bubble wrap. They were just real stunners. I mean, th- those really hit me, and I, it was one of the, the the times where I said, "This this product is is very very beautiful," uh, just from unpacking it. Um, and I did not expect that from from one of the entry level cameras. Uh, so so there's there's definite excitement there, um, definitely. Yeah. So I. I... <laughs> I have nothing to say, to be honest with you. I think uh, we all appreciate at Fujifilm uh, what you do uh, with the products. And, you know, aside from product shots, to be honest with you, Jonas, you've uh, you've taken quite a lot of sample images uh, and even on vacation sometimes. And for most parts, they typically make it onto a brochure or they make it onto the the web page uh, as a product page item and you know let's let's talk about the the most recent XF sixteen to eighty millimeter lens that was launched right um, that's a prime example of your daughter and a couple other uh, images there that are representing the the image quality uh, from that lens and that's 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 again part of the privilege right because i get sent these lenses and 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 often uh, when they're in very limited numbers so they haven't really made it out into testers yet 
Um, and I, I get a chance to shoot with him a little bit. And because of the maybe the diversity that that Jens touched down on before, um, I'm able to to take a lens since I've I've really tested all of them. Um, I take a lens and I look at it and I say, so what's the what's the key user for this kind of lens? And then I try to to do some sample shots uh, in that manner that I think will be the the. The, the result from one of the key users for this. Um, so I always end up at the end of such a week with a very diverse portfolio of images um, that's not really a specific f- style. So I can just send those over to, to Japan and um, and they can choose from it uh, quite smartly and, and, and kind of use the images that they think represent the product uh, the best. So I think that's that's quite beneficial. Um, we're going to talk about the lens a little bit more in detail in, in the lens corner later on. Uh, another question I have for you, Jonas, is besides the fact that maybe Black Linoleum is going to have a spike in sales after <laughs> this uh, podcast airs, what is in front of the table when you shoot it? What, what's your setup when you do these kind of things? Well, uh, again, it started out really basic. Um, I use a couple of softboxes and... Um, up until recently, I just used a, a couple of small strobes, like a small Nissin strobe. Um, I had a couple of those. I only used two lights, sometimes for the more, more complex shots. I've, I've done a lot of, um, because when they started using my images, they wanted the entire product portfolio kind of re-photographed for the website. Uh, so I, I've been doing all of them, also group shots once in a while. Um, those those require a bit larger lighting setup and more complex lighting to get it all lit. But for a, a one one product thing, um, it's basically a two light setup. Um, I just recently changed to using some Godox uh, lights, the AD two hundreds. I really love those. Very powerful, very small. Um, still just strobes because it suits me very well. Uh, it's much much more handy than the than the large studio lights. And then um, I've been using for the longest time just a standard X-series body, be it either the X-Pro2 or the X-T2 or uh, whatever. Um, And then I use one of the oldest lenses available in the system, the the XF 60mm f2.4. All my close-ups are actually shot with that lens. And it has to be one of the most underrated lenses of the Fuji lineup because it delivers such sharp results so that if you if you hit it out of the ballpark it can it can be so good that you cannot really distinguish it between that and a and a GFX file so it, it can it can be really really good um, so I, I use that a lot but obviously now we're in the era of of the GFX and I have my GFX 50R and I use that uh, together with the 120 millimeter macro and uh, also for the bit wider shots i use the the 63 so so that's kind of the main setup so if you want to get a visual impression of jonas uh, product shot work jonas that would be the point where you can plug your website actually yeah i i did a i did a small blog post on it and i think a couple of years back um Two of my fellow ex-photographer colleagues, uh, Charlene Winfred and, uh, and Fleming Bo Jensen, they, they visited the house and made a small video of it. So I have a little bit of the setup um, in that video. You can find it on, on YouTube somewhere, I think. Um, I think it's called Behind the Frame or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, but actually check out your website, jonasvastphotography.com. That's uh, that's that's that would be the site to find it. <laughs> I think I just <laughs> blogged about it maybe some time ago. 
Yeah. Very humble, <laughs> but if you want to check out Jonas pictures, go to jonasraskphotography.com where you find a wide variety of uh, amazing reviews, sample images, and those product shots we just uh, talked about. Now let's move on to our second category, which is the camera corner. And uh, we will have a look at the GFX system. It has been a while since Fujifilm changed the game in the medium format world. And we thought it might be a good idea to chat about where that came from, where we are today, and maybe even where we can go. Now, let me ask both of you, when Fujifilm announced GFX way back, what was your initial reaction to the news that this is coming? Well, and from my standpoint, um, I mean, I worked with uh, the product planners, uh, the various product planners for the GFX system. So I was kind of in the know very early on uh, in, in the development side of things. Um, obviously, there's always been decisions and, and discussions around, you know, what's what's the next ultimate image quality for Fuji Fujifilm. And we know that uh, APS-C was our answer to sort of um, an alternative to 35-millimeter uh, full-frame cameras because of you know, being mirrorless, being one, but also providing the best balance between size, weight, and image quality. Um, and of course, you know, there was discussions on 35 mil, uh, full frame, but overall the, the team really felt like, um, you know, the leap between technology, the leap between image quality differences was not as significant enough uh, you know, to have uh, APS-C in a full frame line that, you know, we wanted, you know, to go beyond, you know, the typical 35 full frame and make medium format a choice as an upgrade for someone who's looking for the ultimate image quality. And so that's kind of where the decision was made to uh, launch this GFX system. And it was a long-term plan and it was uh, supported all the way to the top at Fujifilm. Jonas, what about you? When you heard the first time about uh, the medium format from Fujifilm, what was your reaction? Yeah, well, first of all, I think that's it's so exciting to hear that from Billy um, because of that product planning aspect of it, the, the all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um, um, but for this, uh, for the GFX, that was kept uh very much in the dark so much in the dark that that i wasn't even told about it and they didn't use any of my images at the at the product uh, announcement that was only uh, later so so they kept uh, the cards really close uh, so so i was um i was giddy as a schoolboy uh, just like the rest of the world when uh, when they announced it at at, at Fotokina, uh back then that was 2016 right um and and I mean the the first reaction was obviously um, this is not a camera for me and I still remember when I went to to Photokina that year and and handled it uh, thought that the sensor was monstrous and uh, but but I had no real um, I I didn't I didn't have any use for it I, that's that's at least what went on in my mind going like well Jonas you you have no use for this camera whatsoever um, because it's bigger and you're all about smaller size and all that stuff uh, but then i got it for product shooting around december around that time uh, the 50s and and i had it over christmas and, and new year's because uh, everybody was on holiday and um, i shot with it obviously um, 
the files blew me away and I spent a whole month of just zooming into 100%, which is basically stupid, but it's what I did. Um, so, and then, then I took, uh, I still wasn't uh, too impressed or not impressed. Uh, I was impressed, but I wasn't convinced that it was a camera for me. Um, and then I did the testing of the, the 23 millimeter in Iceland uh, later in spring. Um, and I took it to Iceland, uh, tested out the, the 23, uh, also carried a prototype of the 110. And that's when it began to, when I came home and, and then I actually missed the cameras for those amazing files. And then someone at an internet forum posted that you could adapt vintage full-frame lenses from, from the era of the Minolta's and the contacts and all that stuff onto the GFX to get very cool results because they covered the sensor. A lot of this, the, the, the lenses covered the sensor. And I actually, the, the next day after seeing some of those shots, I ordered one because that was, that was the tipping point for me, actually. And ever since then, um, now with the GFX 50R, it's it's so hard for me to let it go. It's it's the 50R and the the GF50 has become my everyday carry around camera, which is incredible. Yeah. So Jens, we launched, of course, the the GFX 100. Um, you know, I would say less than two three weeks ago, and uh, you know, it's been sort of a a completely different revelation in terms of medium format because it's a camera that. Uh, you know, it's a launch in with 2019 technology. You know, when we're talking about the autofocus, we're talking about features like, you know, in-body image stabilization, uh, low light focusing. These are sort of unheard of in the sort of medium format realm. And, you know, as much as a GFX 100 is, is quite an amazing camera uh, and pretty much feels like an X-T3 uh, in the sense of its performance wise, with the added benefit of, you know, 102 megapixels of peer pixel peeping. Um, truthfully, you know, if we look back at the 50S and the 50R, which are still, you know, amazing as a camera, you look, you look at, you look at it, and it's still a big leap over cameras, even like the X-T3 when it comes to resolution. Like, if you start you know, looking at uh, sample or sample images between an XT3 and a 50S or R, it is a significant difference in sharpness. If you're one of those that appreciate, you know, a sharp, sharp, you know, image. And for me, I I, I look at you know things that are sharp, and to me, that's that that's my appeal. Uh, and so, you know, I guess what I wanted to say was, you know, with with even with the launch of the GFX 100, these other two cameras are no slouch uh, in, in in terms of resolution and in terms of uh, resolving power because, you know, the lens when when we designed it, we obviously knew that uh, there was going to be a 100 megapixel sensor coming out, and that uh, the lenses were designed specific specifically to at least out resolve the 100 megapixel so that we can plan for the future. And these lenses are, are just perfect for, for the whole system, including the S and the R. Did you ever play with any vintage lenses, Billy? Uh, truthfully, no. Um, I, I can say that uh, the GFX system is not for me. Um, you know, I've been I've been sort of running around Canada uh, with some events uh, for the GFX 100. Uh, for some studios, and I can I can tell you as much as I love to shoot with it, 
when I get home and I and I try to stick the files into my 2015 MacBook Air, uh, <laughs> I can tell you I don't enjoy it whatsoever. Uh, the processing, you know, I don't know if anyone here owns a MacBook Air, but I can tell you it starts to scream, you know, like <laughs> like it audibly it starts to scream very loud when it tries to create that TIFF file or the or a JPEG from the raw. So uh, yeah, the, this camera is definitely not for me. The resolution is ridiculous. Uh, it's so sharp. And you know, if, if I'm just taking pictures of my family, there's absolutely no way uh, that I can hide all the bad imperfections and in, in, in everyone in that shot. Now, you know, luckily enough, of course, that, you know, I, I do have these samples and I can shoot. But even then, I, you know, in most outings, I I pick the best camera that uh, I know I'm going to use mostly. And that would be the smallest and lightest one that gives me the best balance of, of picture quality. And that's, to, the, to date, probably the X-T30. Interesting. We talked about the X the, the XT30 in in uh, some of the last episodes and how useful that uh, and, and beautiful images that 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 little camera produces. I want to ask you, Jonas, since you're maybe uh, in a different position to answer this, what would you wish for the GFX system in the future? What are you looking forward to that you would you know wish would be there within this uh, this uh, ecosystem? Well, after the launch of the GFX 100, it's really hard to pinpoint something that isn't already in that camera. Um, that that camera is. Uh, I wrote a review on it, and and I've I've handled it for a couple of months while testing them, um, and it's it's the epitome of what the camera industry can produce. Um, you have you have a medium format camera that is no longer the limiting factor um, in what kind of image making you want to do, and um, it it it's just just throughout the entire product the 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 ibis the 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 the, the speed of the autofocus the phase detection all of these new things makes this camera a supreme tool um and and comparing it to other medium format cameras it's even cheap um so i mean where fujifilm needs to go with the gfx um they need to to if if they ask uh, me i i think they need to to do what they do with the x series play around with with the form factor um like like they do in the x series where you have and they also do that in the in the gfx line with with the rangefinder-esque uh, 50r uh, versus the 50s um, it wasn't until the 50R that I became really, truly interested in the GFX system. I, I used the, the 50S, um, but but I, I sold it the minute that I had my 50R. Um, so, so it's definitely about having different options for different photographers uh, and then just finding a way to putting the, the, the new technology into these kind of different uh, user experiences because that's what makes Fujifilm really, really good. And, and I can take your point about the S and the R because honestly, from a design standpoint, you know, the 50S is not really the most beautiful looking camera to, to look at. It's quite awkward. Uh, in your hands, it's definitely uh, a lot more more comfortable than the R is for shooting, but I guess they're two different cameras, and I, I can see why you appreciate the R over the S, uh, specifically for the designs. Now, in regards to, you know, the, the GFX 100 design, 
uh, idea. You know, there's, there's, there's one limiting factor in all this, and, and that is really that, you know, it does have this 55 millimeter diagonal large sensor uh, on it. It's going to affect lens design. It's also going to affect the body de design. But in addition to that, what you know, people don't think about is the the focal plane shutter that's being utilized that allows you, uh, Jonas, to adapt. You know, uh, other lenses to the system. Um, it is the limiting factor right now, probably of design. It, it takes up quite a lot of space uh, in the body, and you know, I think the revolutionary point for the system is when you know uh, global shutter systems become available and that will eliminate the need of a focal plane shutter and that opens up possibilities for different types of designs you know i i think people were quite excited when when i think um they saw this um uh, gfx unit that uh, was basically a square box that uh you know had attachable parts to it and you know that was a, an early uh design prototype in the sense of where the gfx system you know was going to start like what would the basis be would it be this um this this camera that can be multi-configured would it be a uh, a traditional medium format design would it be a, a dslr design or would it be some sort of hybrid between a dslr and medium format and you know that was just an idea was was to have this uh, this piece that you can attach a, a viewfinder on top and and put the grip left or, or to the right and um, that design to be honest with you is not possible in today's current technology unless that little box that little cube in the middle uh, also housed the focal plane shutter which would make it very big so to from a design standpoint i i believe that uh it's not until a global shutter system can could uh maybe the gfx uh, uh design be uh, revolutionary in, in the sense of being more compact more portable yeah i agree i mean just to just to chime in because that's the thing if you, if you look at the 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 hasselblad um, x1d camera that is designed very very uh, in a very very small manner, but that makes the lenses larger because they have to put the the, the shutter in the lenses, making them both larger and more expensive. And then when you adapt lenses to that camera, there's that thing where it's an electronic shutter only. So it's a small beautiful housing, but it's not really usable in the sense that you can use the the GFX line. So I agree on that. That unicorn of the of the global shutter, when that arrives, that will be a completely different ballgame. As far as I know, Fuji, and I'm sure nobody, none of you will comment that, but as far as I know, Fuji, I'm sure somebody is working on that with high pressure. And there's no comment about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's move one on. Uh, actually, we're staying in the same uh, realm of, of subject. We're going to uh, um, we're going to category number three, which is the lens corner. Now, we're going to talk today about the GF fifty millimeters and the XF sixteen to eighty millimeters. You take it away, Billy. Sure. Um, so. We, we we announced the uh, official specifications for both the the GF 50 millimeter lens for the the GFX system. It's a you know very compact portable lens. I think it's a very simple uh, lens to discuss because at the end of the day, it's really designed to be paired perfectly with the GFX 50R 
being a walk around, you know, lens. I know a lot of people mention it to be pancake, but I think, you know, when we, when Fujifilm makes pancakes, you know, we shouldn't call them pancakes. I think uh, uh, the quality of these lenses are, are, are very high and, and, and edge to edge sharpness is always uh, what's being strived from, from the Fujinon uh, lens designers. Uh, and it has all the latest technologies like linear focus. It's very quiet. It's weather resistant, of course. And and uh, Jonas, you probably had a good good chance to play around with that lens, right? I mean, you probably the one to maybe talk about the experience using it. Yeah, um, I've to say that I've been expecting that lens with uh, with excitement is is an understatement of the century because I mean it was. It was shown, and I was brought uh, a mock-up, a, a plastic mock-up, to my house before it was just shown um, as part of the the 50R introduction back in in 2018. Um, so uh, I've known about that lens for a long time, and known that it it would come. Um, to my complete surprise, when I visited Tokyo in May, when you were also there, Billy, at, at Fujikina for the, for the GFX 100 launch, um, because it had been said for so long that this lens would come out, um, and be announced, uh, later this year, um, all of a sudden I found myself holding one in the hand, um, and was given a chance to shoot it. And was even given a chance to try it for almost two months, actually, th- almost two and a half months until release, which was obviously uh, moved forward uh, to July. Um, and I don't think I've ever uh, produced as many high quality uh, street graphical shots with any piece of Fujifilm gear over the past seven years as I have in these past 60 days. Um, to say that you have a piece of gear that kind of enables your creativity um, might sound like bullshit, but it's part of the language. Um, it It is not because that is exactly what this lens has done for me. Um, I have uh, I've never used a lens that fits my creativity as well as the GF50 does. Um, it's, it's 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 quite a stunning lens, and it it feels so right at home on the on the 50R uh, that even after having it on the body for a, an extended period of time, switching it to the GF uh, the the 63, which is the second smallest now uh, lens in the GF lineup. Um, that even looks a little bit bulky next to this one. It's it's not a it's not a pancake per se, but it's it's just very nice and compact. And running around with that lens and shooting everything in a snapshot manner using a fifty megapixel uh, medium format sensor is just it's it's awesome. And and the things you get from it is awesome. It has incredibly fast focus even on the on the older uh, contrast detection bodies and and the the thing that gets people the most is that it it only opens up i, I say only in 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 citation points uh, quotes but but it 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 opens to 3.5 and it's more than plenty to get on sharp backgrounds if that's what you wish for so it's it's a very usable all-round lens the single most outstanding compliment to a piece of gear that a photographer or a creative could make is that it enables your creativity. That's that's uh, I'll take that with me. You just made me interested. 
<laughs> I guess for me, uh, my my curiosity and and maybe to to the others is obviously it's a three point five uh, aperture lens and and you know so what do, what would you expect? Uh, what are you seeing from your images, Jonas? First, it being forty millimeters in terms of uh, thirty five equivalencies, and secondly, it's an f three point five. Like, are you are you getting that isolation that you're getting? Um, you know, from a I would say relatively slow lens in in that sense, like in terms of on paper, it sounds like it, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think the to to the the whole forty millimeter equivalence is is very is very interesting because I started out using the the hundred the X hundred, and then when the Pro came out, I I bought the X Pro one, and and I bought that with the thirty five one point four, and I've ever since always carried almost always carry two cameras with me with either focal length because I've been so indecisive about which one to use for what scene. Um, I know uh, there's the, the 27 uh, 2.8 for the, for, for the X series, but, but that never caught on with me. I have no idea why. It, it just never did. Um, but, but now, after having used the 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 fifty the GF fifty uh, with its forty millimeter equivalence, it made me realize that there's that gap uh, right in the middle between those two lenses that actually fit me the best. So so it is actually a no compromise uh, lens for me in terms of of focal length, uh, which is 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 that was the real revelation for me actually. And then going into the whole 3.5, when, when you look at it, a, a medium format lens or a medium format per se um, is so different in that um, there, without getting into all this uh, biophysical, optical, uh, internet discussion, I think um, when you shoot a 50 millimeter, it's pretty important to state that a 50 millimeter is a 50 millimeter. It will give you the look, the compression, the whatnot of a 50 millimeter. Um, the only thing that differs is the window size, if you put it that way, the, the sensor size that you put behind it to show uh, the the bigger portion of the of the field of view. That's the only thing that changes. So all the characteristics of that lens is a 50 millimeter. It's just a bigger window that you're looking out of. Um, so that also means that 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 a 50 3.5 um, it it gives you a nice compression of field and it 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 shows in your images the the fall off from sharpness to to out of focus is is much more abrupt uh, and it gives the appearance that there's a lot more bokeh in there that than there really is so it's 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 interesting if you look at it optically like that so let's talk about the the, the second lens that we want to discuss today so we're going to talk about the xf 16 to 80 millimeters Yes. Um, first off, I love it. Um, this is the lens that I've been kind of looking for. Uh, it's a very popular lens. Uh, it covering sort of a, a wide uh, focal length uh, from 24 millimeters to basically 120 or 122, uh, to be precise. Um, it's obviously a very popular lens amongst other brands of cameras, uh, specifically, you know, the Canon lenses that offer the 24 uh, to uh, 120 f4 it's a weather resistant lens it's lightweight but best of all it has you know six stops of 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 image stabilization on the lens that's actually 
the highest I've seen and pretty incredible. Um, and, you know, one thing I'm looking forward to this lens is the video aspect of it, because I know, Jens, in, in previous uh, discussions, we talked about autofocus and different types of focusing. Well, this lens has, you know, an autofocus system that's super fast. It's a stepping motor. Um, you got, uh, it's very quiet. It's very, you know, it's it's quiet. It's silent uh, in terms of, 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 you know, belly hearing or seeing it. And it has, you know, a very smooth focus. And that's one of the advantages of this lens, which for me makes it a perfect, you know, video lens uh, camera. In fact, even the uh, the zoom on it, 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 like there's very little focus breathing, uh, which is, you know, if you wanted to go in and out of uh, of a scene and not have it kind of uh, expand uh, per se, uh, it is, you know, well-maintained. Uh, so to me, this is going to be an amazing lens that goes with an X-T3 um, for my sake and, you know, even for filming both B-rolls, being at a six-stop OIS lens, is going to be absolutely amazing. And this lens is going to be sharp. Right? It's going to fall between the 60 and the 55 and the and the 18 to 55. And for me, the 18 to 55 is a great lens, but I think 18 is just not wide enough. And it's uh, the 55 side of it is just not long enough as well. So I see a lot of people looking at this, whether they own an 18 to 55 or not. Uh, I, I can probably hear, you know, 18 to 55 lenses for sale uh, when this lens becomes available because uh, it's definitely going to fill that that niche for both video and photo and for people who are traveling and want to bring an all-in-one lens that is lightweight but also uh, very flexible right if we if we pick up the point from from our last episode that we recorded where we talked about traveling and exactly kind of that subject is sometimes you want to bring actually a zoom that is kind of an all-rounder i think that's a good lens uh also think we should uh, pick up the point about the video i currently always use on video assignments the i think the 16 to 55 and it sounds like that's probably a future candidate uh, to take that spot yeah it definitely is for me and uh for jonas's uh sake uh, as we mentioned, you know, three of the sample images are on our website are from him, including one from his uh, lovely daughter there. So let's move on to uh, category number four, which is uh, the tip corner. And today uh, we talk about a relatively small feature, but it can save your picture in the making. And I personally use it very much so. In fact, in every workshop, I tell everybody to turn on that feature. And I do have this feature activated at all times on my camera. What are we talking about, Billy? Yeah, we're talking about the horizon level. Uh, you know, as a mirrorless camera, one of the advantages is that you can have, you know, various different assistant assistants uh, appear on the screen versus, you know, using a traditional DSLR uh, and and kind of using, uh, I guess, uh, a little bubble level. Um, I always enable this. I just wanted to tell people there's actually two different options now on Fujifilm cameras. Uh, there's a very simple uh, horizon level that just goes across the screen itself. And uh, when it becomes level, it lights up in green. Uh, to enable that, you just go into the, um, the display settings of the camera, the LCD screen settings. Uh, and then from there, um, 
sorry, the screen setup, and then from there go into the custom um, display custom settings, and then from there you can check on the electronic level option, and that's to me the one that I use all the time. On the more recent cameras, uh, there's also a 3D level which in addition to um, providing sort of uh, a horizontal level, there's also sort of a, a tilting level as well if you're doing a lot of uh, architectural work and you, and you want to kind of control uh, the camera from tilting up and down. Uh, to enable that function, uh, it's really not in the menus. You would actually have to assign it to uh, a function button. By default, I believe the majority of the Fujifilm cameras that have it, uh, it's it's um, set to one of the swipe LCD functions. So you would swipe it. Uh, because I don't use swipe functions, um, you know, and uh, whether you like it or not, um, you can also just you know, hold down the display back button and customize one of the function buttons to uh, to enable that. So if you want to look for where that 3D level is, that's where you're going to find that particular option. Good tip, because whenever I get distracted in the process of shooting, I tend to forget the horizon. And uh, that just reminds me to adjust that before actually pressing the shutter. Do you use that feature, Jonas? Uh, yes, I definitely do. Um, it's on all the time. Um, I, I definitely use it, uh, and I find it. I find it. Um, I find my viewfinder to be a bit empty if it if it's uh, accidentally turned off. Um, and obviously, when I do landscapes, um, especially with with ultra wide lenses, the 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 tilt function is is quite important for not uh, getting the the lines, uh, the, the 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 vertical lines to kind of. Uh, diverge um so 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 that function is is very usable uh, i use it on the on the gfx mostly yeah moving on to uh, category number five we're talking about lens adapters for the gfx and the x system and i'm quite sure that jonas you using vintage lenses probably have made some experience with that accessory oh definitely that was um as i said earlier that was my main that was my main uh thing that turned me on to the to the gfx um and yes i've used both the the active they have uh, they have uh, produced some some smart adapters that will actually enable autofocus you can get them for some contacts lenses the 645 lenses and you can also get them for the canon uh, ef mount lenses and um and they actually work. Uh, they autofocus uh, these big lenses, um, and a lot of them cover uh, mostly from 35 millimeter up to about 100 millimeter. Will cover the the sensor quite decently, especially the newer lenses from from Sigma. Uh, the art lenses um, will cover very nicely. Um, so I've played a lot with that, also with the with the old lenses. Um, and it's just something to give your images that extra bit of something uh, that you cannot achieve using a modern lens because these old lenses, they're flawed in various ways, but um, you cannot recreate it. And if you use it creatively, uh, then um, then you have something quite powerful uh, with a medium format sensor and then with, uh, with an adapted old lens. Uh, obviously, they cannot resolve these high megapixel counts, uh, not the old ones at least. But uh, but it it looks really good when you when you hit it out of the park. So yeah. 
I think with Fujifilm cameras and uh, just mirrorless cameras in general, whether it be GFX and X, um, you know, there's quite a lot of options, uh, it being mirrorless, it having a short flange back distance that uh, there's quite a lot of dumb adapters as well as smart adapters. Uh, you know, the dumb ones, of course, are just really a, a gap spacer between, you know, um, uh, the lens and the body, and the smart ones offer some sort of contact, uh, electronic contact to control the aperture and or autofocus. Uh, of the different lens adapter, of course, Fujifilm does uh, offer for GFX, uh, per se, the H mount adapter G that's going to fit, you know, HC lenses from Hasselblad, but also uh, lenses that uh, under the Fuji uh, Fujinon brand. Uh, also, we have this amazing view camera adapter if uh, you're working with uh, any product shots or just want to pull up, you know, your old, uh, you know, um, field camera or, or, you know, reporter camera out to play around with, whether it be a, a Chrome Graflex or, or whatnot. I think it's an amazing piece to look at. You can twist, uh, you can rotate the camera right on board. You can also uh, slide left and right uh, to capture more of the scene. Uh, very interesting things for the GFX. Now, overall, um, there's three manufacturers that uh, I think Fujifilm has, has worked with. Uh, the three being Kipon, Photodiox, and Metabones, all three kind of have a working NDA relationship with Fujifilm and have, uh, you know, the, the, the right specifications to communicate with the body. But I know there are others uh, that, Jonas, you worked with, uh, TechArt being one of them and Steel Ring being another. And I'm sure there's, there's uh, the... Uh, Many, many others as well. Um, you probably had the most experience using using these adapters, especially TechArt. Uh, what's your feel on that? Yeah, well, t TechArt was the first, really. Um, and they approached me uh, asking me if I wanted to to test it out. Um, so that was, that was uh, really the first one of its kind. Um, I think I got lucky with my initial samples because from reading online, a lot of users have not been that lucky. Um, and so they have a bit of a production thing that's not uh, the, 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 the quality checking isn't, isn't right. But uh, since then, I've been using the Kipon ones um, and I really like them as well. Um, they're really stable as from and from what I hear uh, they have great support so so I can definitely also recommend the Kipon ones great so I think that sums up kind of our podcast today uh, we're super glad you joined us Jonas thank you so much thank you so much for having me on board again and I didn't swear too much this time so that was good no, no you didn't you didn't and we're sure we're gonna have you on again uh, very soon uh, what's up in your near future Jonas that you want to share with uh, with the Fujilove community well, um, again, not really that much. I don't have any just outstanding projects right now. Um, I'm thinking of prolonging my vacation that I just had uh, in terms of photography and, and maybe maybe sewn a bit into um, doing some more family photography that I think I've been neglecting for the past past year or so. We'll see. Billy, as always, thank you so much for being a part of this. We highly appreciate your expertise and your presence. No, thanks for having me again and look forward to the uh, next session. And uh, we will be back uh, next month with another episode. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.
Thank you for checking in and listening to the Fujilove.com podcast. Check out Fujilove.com where we live and breathe all things Fujifilm and photography with Fujifilm cameras. Thank you.